0: the Josh Rogie Show, episode number five. Darren Knutson's gonna join me on this beautiful evening. How's it going, Darren? Going well. It's Friday. It is Friday. Thank goodness. So uh let's hear it. Where where'd you grow
1: up? Same place we're sitting at 54 years, same driveway. Where's that? Claskineye, Oregon.
0: What's so what's so good about Clatskanie, Oregon? Why yeah.
1: haven't you left? We're far away from Portland, close to the coast. Uh, My grandparents, great-grandparents, right across the driveway uh, back in the 60s and 70s. All my uncles and aunts lived in the same part of the road. Uh, Great place to be. Surrounded by timber. Got a river. Don't go very, very far to get away from all the chaos. The chaos, that's true. Yeah. All right,
0: well... What was it like
1: growing up in this area? A lot of history here. So, you uh, know, I look back at my earliest memories of my grandma and grandpa coming out. All my aunt and uncles, uh, they had stories of playing in the crick and pictures. So I found stuff from my great-grandma and grandpa out here. And when I uh, raised kids out here, they found the stuff that, uh, like the axes that I left in the woods that I got spanked for. They found all my stuff. That's cool. And they found uh, like old forts and old bicycles that I had out here. So it's uh, a lot of generations out here. Nice. How many acres? Uh, We got two different parcels, uh, just under six acres. Nice.
0: Right on. So uh, you grew up here. So uh, how was school? Were you a troublemaker?
1: I was a little hellion. I was not good. You know, we always wish we could go back in time and change things. I, and I wish I would have studied uh, the government and history a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we do. We raise hell. That's right. And uh, I'm still friends with most of my teachers. Uh, we had a, a teacher by the name of uh, Joe Kirkland. I got in a fist fight with him when I was in school, and uh, now he's a good friend of mine. I served with him for many years in the fire department. And uh Good man and uh wish I would have done some things I didn't, but we all have a past. Yep, yep. So you
0: graduated from I High School then? Yep, back in
1: 1987, and uh, a lot of my friends had joined the military, so uh, I joined the military just like everybody else. main reason is is my uh, my grandpa served in World War II, so I grew up with him getting drunk and yelling cadence. <laughs> and yelling German phrases at me while he chased me around the, the house. And uh, Germ- uh, this German songs, went back over to Germany, and uh, now I I know the songs that he sang when I was a child. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, all the phrases, now I know what they mean. It's pretty neat. So, yeah, joined the Army when I was uh, 17. Went to basic training, joined as a military policeman. Because I remember my cousin that lives right across the road still, when he joined and he went to Germany, a lot of pictures of getting drunk, partying, tearing up the barracks. Like, man, it looks like fun. (laughs) So kind of followed in his footsteps, uh, went to Germany, spent two years over there. I uh, was part of a pretty cool military police platoon, the only one in the military that spent uh, eight months out of the year TDY on trains. We did railroad security. So we guarded uh, the Abram tanks, underwater mines, C4, uh, 155 shells, all in locked containers. Just sat in a guard car and toured Germany nice. out there for you know a month at a time, uh, cooking meals out of a sterno stove, and uh, pretty fun. Playing spades for days, for I mean spade marathons that last you know weeks and weeks.
0: Did you play sports in high school? So, like, was basic training was that easy or? It was
1: easy because I was so scared. Oh, okay. So I did. Uh, I did football and wrestling. Had my shoulder dislocated. I'm one of my best friends. So, uh, some of that stuff was pretty hard. And I had troubles all the way through the military with my shoulder. And it was pretty tough trying to keep it concealed. They should have. They should have got me out of there years ago. But <laughs> I toughed through. Uh oh, went to Germany for two years. Yep, that was uh, that was pretty cool. My dad went to Germany, so I went to Germany. Uh, got pieces of the Berlin Wall when that went down. Got to see a lot of concerts. Uh, went backstage. Uh, met a lot of cool people: Jethro Toll, Skid Row, Montley Crew, uh, Aerosmith. Best concert ever. Nice. Those guys are pumped. Nice. They were on that stage all night long, just moving. That was before we had rock star energy drinks, <laughs> but yeah, great experience. Uh, learn the German language easy because if you wanted heat in your guard car to keep from freezing, you had to word, learn the phrases. You know, "Heizung bitta." And when I've been drinking beer, I speak German better. <laughs> you know, where's the where's the nearest beer station? You know, how to order food. Uh, they teach you some of the stuff in some of the classes, but. Uh, the German language is different between the North and the South, how they say good morning, how they say good evening. But a lot of our American language is driven by the, the, the German language. Like kindergarten, kinder means small child in German, so kindergarten. Gotcha. Kind of neat.
0: What was it? Just kind of like our culture. Cause I've never been, even been, I've been to Canada, and that's it. So like what? Uh, what? Culturally, over there, what would you say was different?
1: Their food was really good, really sustainable food, very hearty food, uh, not a lot of junk food, uh, food that will last a long time. And when you get done with the meal, you don't have to eat for a couple of days. You know, thinner people, thinner. Uh, no, there's some plumpy guys over there, <laughs> plumpy women, but all because they're eating potatoes and ham and right. that, uh, you know the schnitzel and stuff like that. Not,
0: not double cheeseburgers.
1: Oh, this is nothing but crap here. Yeah. It's embarrassing, yeah. yeah good people. Uh, I had a German girlfriend for a while. I uh, I left her because I wanted to marry an American girl. Uh, all my buddies, you know, they had German wives and stuff like that. And uh, they latched on to them. We called that the big PX in the sky, you know. Atheists, they marry American and they get all these benefits. But my uh, my German girlfriend, she's a school teacher, so we got to travel on her dime, so the government paid for all our travel. I went to, I've uh, been to most of the countries over there, went to Paris, Luxembourg, uh, just so many. I wish I would have kept track of it, but I wasn't there to make memories. I was there to, you know, to get drunk and
0: have a good time,
1: get scars, <laughs> you know, it's amazing, but. It's fun. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. There's no way. But I enjoyed it. I got friends for life. We meet up every couple years. Uh, I don't talk to them a lot, but when we meet up, it's just like we've never been separated. Right. My best friend in Germany was a guy by the name of uh, Larnell. And he was a reserve, went active duty, and he used to always yell cadence. And that's something I've, you know, as a tradition, I've carried on uh, calling cadence, like in the military, marching people from barracks to barracks. I was always the one that got called out to do that. It's a lot of fun, inspirational, motivational, that's why it is, keep people in step. And you have 120 people marching in step, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, only only so many people can do it and be good at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you did your two years in Germany and then?
1: Then uh, I got orders for 10th Mountain Division in New York and my first R said Cunston, because that's what he called me. Cunston! <laughs> <laughs> he goes, uh, you need to join the, you need to be in the infantry. So he changed my orders to uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, home of the Big Red One. Uh, a lot of history there, with dating uh, back to World War One, Vietnam, you know, World War Two, all that stuff. So I showed up and uh, got got chosen to do road duty, like regular being a cop. And uh, shortly after that, we started getting uh, getting ready for a national training center. It's in California. Basically, it's a big desert, and we have out four out there that want to kill you. So you plan, you have training models. You, you know, we did checkpoints. Then all of a sudden, we start having uh, <clears throat> hind D's and hip helicopters flying over Fort Riley, Kansas, and then we start getting Arabic classes. Then we spray paint our vehicles. Then I was in a place called uh, Bushwhackers. It's a comedy club in Manhattan. Hey, uh, hey Darren, your unit just called, just like in the movies, you know. I called my CQ, and he goes, yep, we're going. So 18 hours later, we landed in Kuwait. We had all our stuff packed up, and I remember throwing my plants out the window. I was still drunk from from the club, putting on my chocolate chip uniforms, kind of stumbling. Put everything in the boxes, and we shipped out and arrived in country, and that started the, uh, the air war. I was over there, I did seven months total during Desert Storm. Uh, we did a different MP mission, so instead of guarding gates and stuff like that, we were pretty much like uh, the desert rats of World War 2 We We're in the desert, we had a platoon of 21 of us, and we had like five vehicles. We just drove around the desert. Uh, basically doing reconnaissance Uh, one time uh, we had reports of tanks coming across the border we went over there it was camels one report they saw Jesus on a camel or a donkey went out there it was a white bag that was rolling across the desert but that was it was cold, as cold as I've ever been in the desert and we didn't bring all this all of our cold weather gear because it's a desert, it's hot right Negative, Ghost Rider. Right. It was colder than hell. Uh, we had very little. I had two duffel bags, a rucksack, and a helmet bag with my letters in it. We listened a lot of tapes. Uh, back then, they had a little thing called a Game Boy. It's all you had. You know, you play it so much, then it'd be in your head. You're trying to sleep, and the blocks would be dropping. Like, <laughs> all right, no more of that. No more Tetris. Yeah, it's uh, it takes over. Uh, did night duty. Um, We—I don't remember sleeping a lot. I remember sleeping in the Humvees. Uh, a lot of MREs. I had some pretty good guys. Uh, my team leader, Corporal Barnhill. A lot of the things that I've carried with my military career—stuff that he taught me. You know how to take care of people. How to do the right thing the first time. Uh, because if you take care of your guys, they'll take care of you. And a lot of leaders don't uh, don't know that. It's easy to take care of people, you just gotta listen. You know. It's uh, it's a tough game sometimes. But Desert Storm was quick. I remember one time we're sitting, we got alerted, so we were QRF at this time, stands for uh, quick reactionary force. So the five vehicles got in a convoy, got ready to respond, and everybody's sleeping. You sleep when you can. So I had a red lens flashlight, I was reading a book, and this guy came up and knocked on my window. And I said, yeah. He goes, uh, give me the book. I said, I'll give you the book when I'm done. He kept knocking the window. I said, listen, I'm not through with the book. I'll give it to you when I'm done. All of a sudden, he ripped open my door it was a sergeant major. And uh, he took my book. Then here comes my first sergeant. So I'm down there doing push-ups and sit-ups in the dark with night vision goggles on so we you know, still stay in operational status. And he gets me up at the parade rest, and he's chewing at me. He's spitting at me. You know, at one point, I thought we were dating for a couple minutes. He was up in it. And uh, he goes, you see that light over there? He goes, the air war just started, and you're reading a book. I said, first, I'm the only one awake out of 21 guys. He just looked at me like, hmm, interesting. So that's how I started the air war, by doing push-ups. So my punishment was... As we get ready to do the ground invasion, I was to issue my platoon, all the claymores, AT-4 missiles, all their ammunition. So it's kind of an honor. I okay. still got the book, though. <clears throat> A little ripped up, some sand in it.
0: That's
1: cool. So part of being the Big Red One, uh, first MP company, as my platoon sergeant told me, they captured and or processed 12,000 prisoners oh. during the Gulf War. My platoon of 21, we captured and processed 9,000 of those. Jeez. They divide the company into general support and direct support. So we had two platoons of direct support. Uh, if you went out to take a dump, you always took your weapon. You always come back with prisoners. Uh, Schwarzkopf saved a lot of lives. General Schwarzkopf did. He starved the Army. He starved them to death. So it saved American lives off their supply chain and he weakened the military that's why we won it wasn't because of technology you know with apaches soften up the targets for the radar and stuff it's because the soldiers lost the will to fight and one reason when they surrender they take their boots off and leave them alongside the road the best time was when we had a bunch of them in the back of the deuce and halves and five tons they left their boots in the back there and also the gas mass so that tells me one thing that they're not willing to fight anymore, plus there's no more chemicals. Like, all right, well, we can take this stuff off. And I just remember days driving for days and nights, and we have a big old open area, and our vehicles are close together, and we had camo nets in front of the vehicles, and we go to sleep driving, and then you bump the other Humvee, and you stop, wake up, and that's how we get sleep on the run. Uh, it's amazing, you know. War is hell, but also can be. Uh, you get tested in war. So if you uh, took shortcuts during training, they're going to show up in wartime. But if you, you know, did what you're supposed to in training, with listening to your leaders, you know, you'll do fine in combat. It was, uh, to me, it was easy with my guys because we trained pretty hard. We always did the right thing. Uh, the guys that took the shortcuts, it really showed. They can do the basic stuff, and even now, you know, it's still visible with the wars we have today. Right. You got to train. You got to train hard. Uh, you got to train like there's no tomorrow. You know, staying up late, reverse cycle training, uh, half rations, half water. You got to train yourself so when those hard conditions come, they're easy. You Eat it up. Like, all right, now what's next? The biggest thing of uh, Desert Storm is, I didn't realize it, but after the war, uh, Timothy McVeigh, he uh, blew up the Fred P. Murr building. He was in my division. He also guarded uh, the peace talks with General Schwarzkopf and the Iraqi generals. So he was on an overpass, just a couple clicks south of the actual meeting. And every morning we'd drive up and wave to him and his crew. And then after that happened, 60 minutes to the story, and it showed him shaking hands at General Schwarzkopf going into the breach, and it showed what he did. I turned white. Like, man, I, we waved at that guy. Uh, one of the best books I've ever uh, read, it's called, uh, written by Timothy McVeigh's lawyer, it's called American Terrorist. Great book. You can see how a great soldier, a good soldier, uh, turned to be a, you know, what happened? A killer, and uh, we went too far. But great story. Uh, I hate the heat. Wife wants to go to Mexico. I said, "I'll, you know, I'll go. I'll go to Washington." Yeah, it still affects me.
0: Yeah.
1: But that that, that war ended and uh, came home and got out of the army a couple months later. Did my four years and life is going on. Right. So. Well, uh,
0: For like kids, you know, obviously this generation is by far different, but for any kids that are unknown to what they're going to do after high school, like what would, like to point them towards like the military or give pointers or was it something that kind of opened up your mind to...
1: Well I, I joined the army when I was nine years old. You know. I've right. been practicing for that for years. Right. Uh, my buddy that got me to enlist using the eighty second Airborne about the same time the movie Full Metal Jacket came out. He told me, Darren, that's exactly what basic training is going to be. I was scared. Like you gotta be kidding me. So I max basic training. I was so scared that I you know, it's amazing what you do when you're scared. But I excelled, and a uh, couple of just laughed, like, bring it on. Uh, basic training is the best part of my life. Uh, it was amazing. And, you know, what? the youth, if anybody, you know, the military is not for everybody. Just like college isn't for everybody. I serve with people that should have went to college. They're really smart, and they can, you know, better themselves. But I don't want to make the military mandatory for everybody, you know, and not just the people that uh, the judge says go join the Army. But if people want to be challenged to another level, they won't be challenged any more time in life. Instead of this, like going to the army or the you know any any service, right. and it's amazing what you can do when you press yourself. But you got you got to have a challenge. If you just you know see average, you're not, you're not going to do very much in life. You can be challenged and continue to go forward and be motivated for the next thing. Right. But I still think the military has to be an all volunteer force. You know, in case of wartime, you know, you get people that don't want to be in there that you're like a cancer and just erode from the fighting force. Right. But I think it still should be a, an option for, for kids and adults. I, I serve with people that are older than me. You know, they got kids and they had to join the Army for, for money. My wife's great-grandfather was a German immigrant. He came to America, went through the Statue of Liberty, became American citizen. Doing in the army to make some money and that was uh world war one wow he went over there as a as a soldier for america i still have his helmet pretty cool that
0: is very cool
1: cool history anything else you want to add from your experience in the military uh i did 29 years and, and nine months uh there's a lot, you know. That's gonna be another episode. We <laughs> only cover so much, you know, in an hour. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's a lifetime, you know. And the more uh, I'm really into history and learning, all the wars are the same. Only thing that changes is technology. You know, right. nowadays they have heat. Sit, they have heat. Uh, they can see people. Uh, we had night vision. We thought that was pretty cool. Uh, now they have drones. Boy, if I had a drone.
0: Did uh, When you, you were over there in Desert Farm, did they have any of any of that sort of, like night vision? Or we had night vision
1: goggles. Did, did
0: they have any of that?
1: No, they had nothing. They, they had pockets with bread dough in them, razor blades for shaving, uh, and canteens. They didn't have nothing. Uh, I remember clearly that they were so scared of the Marines that all the weapons were pointed to the east. Because we told them that the Marines going to land in Kuwait. So all the tanks we came in contact with, are all pointed the other way. Like, why is that? Then we got word, like, yeah, it was a feint. Yeah, they didn't have very much. But, you know, they're still soldiers. Uh, I remember this one guy, we we, uh, captured a whole bunch of them. And we had them sit around a fire. And we just got told that we could wear a combat patch with a big red one patch. And I'm sitting there trying to sew up because I'm proud as hell. And this POW looks at me he goes, hey. And I threw the shirt at him. He threw it back at me. It was already done. So I'm one of the few guys that has his combat patch sewed on by a POW. But that's also how I learned to speak Arabic is through the POWs. And we did a lot of medical training on them. They had a lot of wounds. Uh... A lot of foot foot issues. We did a lot of IVs, and with all the prisoners we captured, we only had a problem with one of them. He was a warrant officer in safwan and he was drunk and he was eating all his soldiers' food. He came through the checkpoint. He was a—he looked like an NBA player. He was huge. We we're trying to pull him down to his knees, and it took like four of us. Wow! And uh, yeah, one for the record books. Yeah, great career, uh, retired in 2017. Uh, one thing on my bucket list, I'll always wanna be a platoon sergeant. I had a great platoon sergeant during Desert Storm and I kinda lived my, my career emulating what he did for us. So it's something that I, I take pretty personal. And it's it's a very rewarding. I spent several years of as an acting first sergeant and that's probably one of my favorite jobs also is taking care of the problems at hand, and not have to go to a committee and have people vote what we should do. You have direct responsibility over a soldier's life and his well-being, and you can fix things within seconds and minutes and, and steer that uh, soldier in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's pretty important.
1: What else you got for me, Josh? I don't know. What else? What else do you got for me? Well, uh, <clears throat> you know, 30 years is a long time, uh, a lot of deployments. Uh, we did the Winter Olympics in 2002, 17 degrees. It was right after uh, you know, 9-11, so got to work with the Secret Service, got to work with Homeland Security, FBI, the Treasury Department. I'll tell you what, those guys are more professional than we can ever fathom. Purely, purely, it's amazing. You ever get a chance to read any books from those guys or see their podcasts, it's uh it's amazing. And uh so the Winter Olympics Provo Utah. We were working at a gate checking all the players in. And we're always trading pins and hats and stuff like that. And I said, Hey, what do you got? you know. The guy goes, uh, he come back later on with a hockey stick. One of the coaches he goes, here you go. He goes, what your, what's your rank? I said, I'm just a staff sergeant. He goes, I'll tell the guy that you're a major. So I got this hockey stick, was used in the Olympic Games, has a tape ripped up on it. And I go in the interrogation room and I put it in there. I tape it to the bottom of the table. And I go back out to my post. And a uh, couple minutes later, here comes the big guys. The, ho- the, the guys in charge. AK Nut, where's it at? I said, What? The hockey stick. Okay. So we go in this interrogation room. He goes, Where's it at? And I get on my knees and I pull this duct taped hockey stick <laughs> out. And they're all holding it. I'm like, man, I'm gonna I'm never gonna see this again. And they all pass it around and hey man, this is pretty cool, and they gave it back to me. That's pretty cool. And I still got it. Nice. Uh had a hell of a time getting on the plane, but it's amazing, you know, they had a a lot of security, a lot of cameras. Our, uh, our people can sleep pretty good knowing that we got those professionals out there. Yeah. Got a lot of pictures, wish would have took more. Uh, did a lot, you know. National Guard here in Oregon. You're talking 12 weekends a year that I was gone, plus two weeks a year, uh, plus other training for advancement around the, around America. It takes a lot, it takes a lot from the kids and the, and the wife, you know, she's got, you know, the babies and I got to go under a weekend, don't get any sleep, got to drive home Sunday night and got to show up to work Monday morning, ready to go. But it, it's, 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 over. it's it's all in your mind. If you're, if you're weak, you know, we, we see it for days because we have to, and if you train for it, you can do it. But luckily uh, all my coworkers, you know, they had to work overtime. So when I was gone, Never had any problems, so when you talk about support, uh, those are, those are the people that I want to want to say thank you to. Uh, no complaints from them at all. That's
0: pretty cool.
1: There's more. There's more coming. You know, Just, it's going to take a while to get all this out. Yeah. I always told my wife I want to write a book someday when I learn how to spell. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I
0: grew up in concrete, so I don't know how to. Writers well either so
1: i i I prefer speech, yeah you know
0: yeah I know uh it's pretty cool those those relationships that you've built that you know they stick with you and those people that have taught you, whether it be good things or bad things, you know through your career, <clears throat> you can pass those off to your kids and your coworkers
1: now, and yeah. What's nice about that is, you know, you sometimes you learn more from the bad guys than you do the good guys. I've had I've been pretty damn lucky. I've had some damn good first sergeants, some damn good commanders, uh all the way up to brigade commander, some really good friends, and you know, I've been pretty lucky you only have one bad bad lieutenant. That's another story for episode two. <laughs> I'm gonna save that one.
0: Yeah, we'll save that for uh Maybe a Saturday
1: night with a glass of whiskey and... Yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Maybe I'll put on my, hel- my helmet, you know, get all dressed up. There you go. Yeah, it's been great, you know. Uh, 30 years, that's a long time. I would really want to add up all my flights and how many hours I've been away from my family. But there'd be no stories, yeah. you know, no legends, you know. Get me drunk around a campfire and like, all right, kids, go to bed. Uh, you know, it's all, all cool stuff, all fun stuff, you know. Uh, no bad stories, you know, because when it sucks, that's when, that's when I get stronger. Uh, when I was a platoon sergeant, I'd give the guys uh, a packing list a couple weeks out. Hey, you guys got to, you know, pack for the cold weather, got to bring gloves, rain gear, poncho, and all this stuff. And we get there and we do inspection. All of a sudden, some some Joe would lose his gloves. And it's 23 degrees in Redmond, Oregon. And I'd see that guy over there shivering because he didn't pay attention. He lost his stuff. I'd have to take my gloves off and put them on my pack because I'd start generating heat looking at him suffer. It, <laughs> it made me stronger. Yeah. You know, like that guy didn't pay attention. Yeah. How is that guy going to have children that are going to survive? It's in his genes. He's not going to make it
0: i yeah. not going to make it. Pay
1: attention to detail. It's all in the details. And the reason why, you know, they teach you these small things. So when there's chaos, you do the right thing. And it's easy if you, if you do the right thing because right. you get used to it.
0: So uh, how did you end up?
1: Working for, with me. That's a good question. <laughs> that's a that's a great question. So I uh, I spent twenty years at the Wana Mill and class in Oregon, and then so with
0: so you're working at the mill during the week, and then you're working yeah with the Coast Guard on the weekend.
1: Uh, Army National Guard.
0: Army National Guard.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I retired in two thousand seventeen. So one day I was at break, looking at Facebook, scrolling through there. And uh, all of a sudden I see this ad for a safety coordinator. And I started reading the qualifications and like, man, I can do this. And I wasn't looking for a job. I I want to retire from the mill. You know, they got good benefits at the end. uh, Not even looking for a job. But after I saw that, like, I can do all this. You know, it's another It's another challenge for me. So I called my buddy's wife, and uh, I said, hey, I need a resume. She goes, okay, give me the information. Just did a generic one. And that day, I called the company a couple times and didn't get a response. And, like, it's kind of weird, you know. And I, I stalked the company. I went on Facebook and looked at all their employee comments and all their pictures, went on other forums to learn about them. And uh, one thing that the owner said in a comment in a magazine, it said, uh, I want people to retire from my company and not leave. And, like, what's going on here? You know, be like I'm 21 again. This could be a game changer. So, the day that I contacted the, the company, they actually had an employee pass away, he had a heart attack, Big John. And later on, I got a, a Facebook message from a lady that said, Hey, I'm sorry, we didn't get a hold of you. We had a. Uh, a gentleman passed away, and I said, "Hey, please take care of that guy's family and your and your crew, and call me in a couple weeks." Well, they did, and uh, I got my resume. I went and changed. I wore uh, wore nice clothes. I show up in St. Helens, and uh, the owner looked at me. He goes, "Must be nice to wear nice clothes." I said, "Man, I already changed twice today." <laughs> He goes, what's that in your hand? I said, a resume. He goes, we don't be needing that. I sat down with the owner for two and a half hours. I learned a lot about him and his wife and the company. And uh, I decided right there I'm going to work for him. And I went home and I was exhausted. Two and a half hours of talking to this guy. (laughs) And uh, it's amazing that these people are still out there keeping America rolling. Right. And, uh, before that, before that interview, I went online, I learned about all the new tethering with logging, uh, drones, division seven with OSHA, stuff that I haven't looked into since I logged in the early nineties. So I had to relearn everything, you know, technology's changing. They don't have people with chainsaws anymore. Everything's done by mechanical. So I had to give a hundred percent and he called me and, uh, I was kind of concerned because I had a, a, lot of, a lot of weeks of vacation at Wana. been there for 20 years. And uh, I said, hey, uh, you know, I asked them about the 401K and all those answers. All the, I like the answers. And I said, I got a bunch of vacation. I said, I got five weeks of vacation, but I actually have three of those weeks that I have to have. I got a wedding anniversary, me and my wife, 30 years this year. Uh, my youngest son got married, and we had a camping trip with our inner circle. And he goes, I oh, will honor all your vacations. I said, you got me. So I gave my two weeks notice at the mill and uh, they said, what, you're leaving? I said, yeah. And before I left, I gave a couple of speeches uh, to my salary folks and the guys that I worked with in the wood yard and uh, a couple more quit that day. I said, there's a better life out here for us. The mill's in a different situation than it is 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. They're not taking care of their people. They're getting a different caliber of people down there now. Uh, like I said, I wasn't looking for a job, but I found this. I'm not looking back. Yeah. I still got good friends down there, friends forever. But uh, I still go down there once in a while. We take chip samples down there, and really glad to see me. Uh, still keep in contact with all of them. Uh, I got my best friend works down there, so you know, still a lot of friends and family down there. But now I, I'm six, seven months in my new role, as safety coordinator, and I love it. I can make a change. I can make a direct impact in the company every single day. Uh, there's no committee. I just know what the company owner and his wife. I know what they expect out of me. And I know what they expect out of their people, so it's easy to come up with answers, you know. But a lot of it is listening. Now I can't be certain Knutsen anymore, <laughs> which is awkward, <laughs> yeah. but it's actually easy, right? You know, uh, my my best friend Dan, he's excellent communicator. He listens. I've learned so much from him just being around him, hunting, fishing, you know, around the campfire. Uh, there's still some good people out there, yeah. But you got you got to hunt for them. And uh, so it makes my job easy. Uh, first thing he told me was, don't carry a big stick. The owner of the company did. I go, oh, okay. Well, now I know why. Right. You know, you get more bees with honey. <laughs> you don't got to be a kiss-ass, but you got to listen to everybody's problems. And you got to think, all right, what would the owner want me to do in this case? With putting the company first and, you know, with the employee and still getting the logs out safely. And to be honest, I don't like the safe word, the safety word. It's used too much. You know, safety, safety, safety. Pretty soon people don't hear it anymore. They become right. numb to it. So I like to use the word support. So you, you try to support everybody in their daily operations. You know, I go out of my way to make sure people have everything they need to, uh, to get the logs out. And it's easy. You know, you just got to listen. And some people, you know, they want to complain about something, and then 10 minutes later, you know, we're talking about the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> you know, uh, they're off the subject, but you just got to listen. Yeah. And I ask them, so if you have a complaint or a problem, also come with a solution because I've been out of this industry for a long time, and I'm relearning it. So I gotta know what you think the situation is and what the solution is, and we can build from there. So I got 60 new friends in, in the last six months. Right. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, And uh, the boss always asked me, you know, when, he, when I first got there, he goes, so what do you bring to the table? And I told him, and uh, during the summer there's a fire. I was up for 24 hours, 23 hours, excuse me, went home, slept for three hours, had to come back on the fire line because I wanted to, not because I had to. Right. He goes, I see what you bring to the table. And I ask that when we hire new people, you know I don't ask the, the standard questions I ask you know what do you bring to the table? what can you do and what do you want to do? Uh, it, it's amazing you start talking to people you know like a regular person though you, you get more answers out of them yeah people like being interrogated, you know they just want to have a basic conversation
0: yeah
1: you know don't look down on anybody I had a I had a boss at Wana, Mr. Flint. And uh, everybody got along excellent. And finally, when he he left, I said, "You know what? I figured you out." I said, "You're successful. We, everybody gets along because you treat everybody the same." I said, "That's a secret." I said, "I've never been able to treat everybody the same. You know, yeah. not everybody brings good stuff to the table." Yeah. But in a, in this type of environment, non-military, treating everybody equal, you have no favorites and no dirt bags. Right. And it makes things a lot smoother. So yeah, uh my thirtieth wedding anniversary a couple weeks ago, uh we had an employee that got an accident. So I spent fourteen hours with him, you know. And but it's what I it's what I bring to the table and it's not a question I knew it had to be done because it's it's part of the job and uh it's easy. Yeah, and like you know, and
0: that you think you're, like,
1: happier now than those maybe the 20 years at Wana, Like I was really lucky. I had, I had some great jobs at Wana, you know. Uh, I had some really nice jobs that I really excelled in, and I had a good time because I had, I had support through the maintenance department. And in this job, I can make a decision within seconds instead of having and to go to a committee right. and people vote on it, you know, I just got to know that my decision has to have the best interest of the company and, right. you know, working safely with, yeah. with everybody. Uh, yeah. Cause I, you know, I get home and I'm a good mood. My hardest day is Sunday because I want to go to work, you know, like, all right, Monday, what am I going to do? You know, where am I going to go? Who am I going to see? What am I going to talk about? What problems are going to come up? You, you can't predict what's going to happen, uh, but you can try to prevent the bad stuff. Right. My mission changes hour to hour. But if I get set on doing one thing, I'm going to be disappointed because i got to be really flexible just like you guys. Yeah. You know, things change, conditions change, weather changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got to be that go-to guy. So the more you learn, the more you do, the more, you know, you can be counted on. That's why for you guys, hey, you can rent a or can you do this? You know, if you can do four different jobs, you don't get to go home, you get to stay and work. Yeah. Pay the bills. Yep. That guy that only wants to do one thing, he's gonna go home when it rains.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that just kinda set in their same routine, do the same thing. They don't wanna change things up and
1: drive for more or however However you want to I think that's that, being like our grandpas. Every day I get older and older, like, man, I'm acting like my dad. Or mostly it's my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Now I know why he doesn't want to go in public, you know, wants to drink a beer at home and watch, you know, reruns of MASH, you know. <laughs> Watching those old shows is like going back in Time Machine.
0: Yeah.
1: But people don't want to be challenged. Some people get in a rut and don't want anything more, but you can't blame them. Yeah. You know? Uh, we have a we have a, a young man that we hired a couple months ago. He has done more than I ever expected. That guy can, can do it all, and he's good at it. I used to work with his father at uh, at Juana, so I got a little I got a little dog in the fight here. Yeah, I give that guy everything he asks for, but he's the kind of man. He asks me the questions I don't know answers to because he's challenging me with asking these hard questions that he wants to know to make a better employee. Uh, to do a better job. And I said, all right, I'll find the question for you. So I get challenged too. Uh, you start getting comfortable in your job and start getting lazy and complacent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not—that's like—that's a bad drug right there. Yep. I always change my techniques. Every time I drive to a job, I take a different road. Uh, I try to do something different so yeah. I don't get complacent. Caught in that rut and Just kind of like a zombie. Oh yeah, you go five <laughs> miles down the road. Like, how'd I get down here? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I hear that. But you know, you got to challenge yourself. We can't ask somebody to challenges because yeah. you're not going to like the answer. Yeah. So you know, discipline is what you do, and nobody's looking.
0: Right. Yeah, and I feel like discipline nowadays sometimes can be, I guess, not as harsh. You know,
1: it's more like, I guess, self discipline. It is. I, I learned a good word today uh, consequences. We're talking about another podcast. And uh, a person at work let me watch this podcast of this comedian. And people like to be aggressive in their speech. And when you defend yourself, all of a sudden they're offended. And now they're the victim. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm not prejudiced or anything like that. But what I do hate anymore with seeing all this is I don't, I don't like bullies. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate, I don't like the word hate because hate will burn you from the inside out. But I don't like bullies. And we see a lot of that in our everyday life.
0: Oh, yeah. So, social media,
1: keyboard warriors. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're big guys with their thumbs, <laughs> yeah. you know, and. I really think what's going on right now is we treat everything like we can like and comment and there's no repercussion. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I think that's why we're having a big problem with society right now is everybody treats it like it's a social media. Yeah. And, you know, challenge yourself with maybe less screen time. Don't get all your information from your phone. Go out and see it. Yeah. With your own eyes. Uh, put down the phone, Go for a walk. Uh, it's the worst drug out there. All we gotta do is pay our electrical bill. And there it is. Yeah. And it's horrible. We can use it morning, noon, or night. We have people that, oh, you can text people all day long, but you see them in person, they don't even know who you are. Right. Uh, all these people go on these big, oh, yeah, I'm going kayak, and I'm going on this big trip. You know, It's fake. <laughs> you're not the Queen of England you live in a you live in a trailer park lady, yeah,
0: you put your kayak in your swimming pool and took a picture
1: <laughs> yeah, a selfie, but you know yeah. i I can see the Volkswagen in the background yeah but i i would like to see everybody i 'll drive up to the job. It takes me an hour and a half to talk to a couple guys instead of texting, yeah, because I know it means more i I could save a lot of time, but you know it's all about effort. You know, anybody can fake an accomplishment, but I grade on effort. And uh, in my new job, my new role, it's easy to give 100%. And if I don't give 100%, like, man, i got to give 130 tomorrow. But after you get used to doing it, and every day I learn. Every day I'm adding another tool to the toolbox and learn a different approach, trying to change it up so it's not the monotone. Uh, But, yeah. And my new rule, safety coordinator. I'm flying the drone now. Nice. A big, huge drone won't even fit in the back of the truck. Yeah. Uh, we do drug testing on the on the work site. So, if the truck driver, you know, save him hours of transportation and fuel costs and time instead of going to the big city and getting the, uh, you know, taking a test. for the guy in the in the woods, show up there with a bottle, you know. Go behind a tree, do his business, put my gloves on, seal it up, do the paperwork. Takes 15 minutes. Nice. And uh, save them time. You know, it's yeah. it's what I bring to the table. And uh, I get the support through everybody. And that's what's really cool. Yeah, It's a very rewarding position. And uh, I'll probably retire a little bit late now. <laughs> I've never been given so much before in a job. Uh, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Yep. Got to seize it, right? Yep. The other day I was uh, helping a guy work on his dump truck up in the woods. And he goes, hey, how's it working? How how you like working for your boss? I want to give him a right answer. So it took about 15 minutes for, for me to come up with the right word. And I said, uh, my boss... Sets a good example, you know he's not about speeches, you know the guy wears his hard hat, he wears his gloves, wears his high viz, he checks his equipment out, he does the right thing because it's easy to do the right thing the first time, and so i I learned from him like you know what he's making us be a better father, a better husband, and a better employee yeah uh set- setting a good example for everybody, and that people you know. They gotta try to do better every day. Uh you get in a rut? Well, tell you what, in a couple weeks you'll be living in a tent. Yeah. And not at Yosemite. You
0: know, a... Never mind.
1: <laughs> Let me hear it. <laughs> just stay out of the ditches, you know? Yeah, stay out of the ditches. <laughs> you know, we all we all make decisions. And what I tell my guys is you know, if we have an accident or something happens, I will judge you on what you do after the problem, how you carry yourself, how you come up with the solution, throw your heart at, start cussing, getting all mad. Yeah. You're losing points, brother. Yeah. I do not want to be that armchair quarterback. Well, that's what you should have done. You should have done this. Like, right. you know, that's, that's a dick move.
0: I not really help the situation.
1: No. And you know, I want to be that guy that they can talk to. And, uh, how do we stop this from happening the next time? You know, I'd rather make him smarter. I had a, I had a commander in uh, Iraq the second time, episode three. He told us everything that he knew about the missions. No information got held back. So we all knew exactly what's going on. We're all on the same sheet of music. And communication is the key. I'd rather have no communication than bad communication. Yeah, That's why I told my guys everything I knew, because the more they knew, the less I had to tell them. What else you got, Josh? <laughs> hey, we can... Wrap it up now and save stories for later.
0: Yeah, episode two? Yeah, we can come up with a game plan for episode two. I like it. Alright, well thanks for your time and thanks for your service and I'll probably see you next week for our safety
1: uh meeting. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. I mean this is uh it's kinda of fun. Yeah. Uh might be better than writing a book.
0: Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Alright, thank you, Josh. Thanks.